So we're picking on Mandy for episode 200, right? I guess we're picking on Mandy. This episode is sponsored by Hired.com. Hired.com is offering a new freelancing and contracting offering. They have multiple companies that will provide you with contract opportunities. They cover all the tracking, reporting, and billing for you. They handle all the collections and prefund your paycheck. They offer legal, accounting, and tax support. And they'll give you $1,000 when you've been on a contract for 90 days. But with this link, they'll double it to $2,000 instead. Go sign up at Hired.com slash freelancer show. If you're someone who runs your own service-based business, then spending less time on pesky admin tasks means having more time to focus on your client's work, which is why you need to give FreshBooks a try. FreshBooks is the invoicing solution that makes it incredibly simple to create and send invoices, track your time, and manage your expenses. It allows you to quickly see and track the status of your invoices, expenses, and projects, and allows you to keep track of your expense receipts in FreshBooks. For your free 30-day trial, go to freshbooks.com slash freelancers and enter the freelancer show in the how did you hear about us section when signing up. This episode is sponsored by nerd.us. Do you wish that somebody else would handle all of those operation details when it comes to hosting your client's web applications? Nerd.us is a Ruby on Rails managed hosting designed to make your life easy. They migrate everything for you and new signups or referrals come with a $100 discount or a referral fee. To sign up, go to freelancershow.com slash nerd. That's freelancershow.com slash N-I-R-D and enter freelancer into the contact form for a discount. This week's episode of the Freelancer Show is brought to you by Earth Class Mail. Earth Class Mail moves your stale mail into the cloud, giving you instant access 24-7 and integrates with the tools and services you use every day. It's crazy that we've moved everything we do for the business over to the digital world, but still need to pick up, sort, and manage physical mail. With Earth Class Mail, you can get all of your mail scanned and accessible online 24-7. You can search your mail, send invoices over to your accounting software, sync important documents into cloud storage, deposit checks, and really just make running your business a whole lot easier. You also get real professional address to share publicly with customers, business partners, and investors. And you'll never need to worry about someone showing up at your door if you run your business from home. Visit freelancershow.com mail and you'll get your first month of service free when you sign up. That's freelancershow.com mail. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 200 of The Freelancer Show. This week on our panel, we have Jonathan Stark. Hello. Ruben Lerner. Hi, everyone. Philip Morgan. Howdy. I'm Charles Maxwood from DevChat.tv, and we brought on a special guest this week, uh, Mandy Moore. Hi, everybody. So 200 episodes. It's kind of funny because when I think back about it, yeah, I'm the only one that was originally on the panel (laughs) when we started the show. I think I came in around like 27. I'm not on the panel, but right. the editing. Yeah. So so Mandy is is also senior to all of you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Don't we know it? <laughs> I, I've been around. Oh, it's it's been an interesting, what is it now, four years? Yeah. Besides my oh, cat, God. you are the longest person I've been in a relationship with. <laughs> so I guess we can officially say that. Yeah, don't tell my wife. <laughs> but yeah, it was uh I was very fortunate to come in and help out and I I love what I do and I love listening to you guys every week and I have definitely learned a lot just by listening and editing, which is a perk since I'm getting paid for it, but it's definitely interesting to me. Yeah, well, and it's funny, too, because a couple of times we've talked about different aspects of, like, renegotiating and asking for more money, and Mandy's actually used that stuff on me, so... <laughs> not for a while! No, not for a while. 
Well, no, I was just like, like in, I guess, you know, we all got this started because in the Skype channel, we were talking about hourly and weekly billing. And I know during freelance remote comp a few weeks ago, I was talking about how I was thinking about going to hourly billing, but not hourly billing, weekly billing. But I don't know since I do like service-based stuff, if that is something that I could do. Yeah, I was going to say I've been paying you hourly, so. Yeah, yeah, you've been paying me hourly. But would it be easier for you? Would it be easier for me? I don't know. I think it's interesting because this actually affects me, right? (laughs) (laughs) You know, we we talk about this stuff and it, it, you know, it's something that in a lot of ways is sort of abstract, you know, it's, it's okay, well, I'm telling people to do this and, you know, I haven't taken a contract in a while, but the last one I did, I did weekly billing and that worked out pretty nicely. But yeah, you know, being on the other end, I'm like, okay. So how do I feel about weekly billing, you know, as the client, as opposed to as the freelancer? I love this. (laughs) (laughs) It's a different kind of skin in the game, isn't it? Yeah. But the thing is, is that for me, I mean, because I've been thinking about what I want Mandy to be doing and, you know, how I want to structure the business going forward and things like that. Um, In fact, I actually talked to my CPA about hiring Mandy as a full-time employee, and he basically said, well, there are all these considerations since she's out of, you know, not from Utah. She, you know, you, you'd have a, an employee in another state and you'd have to withhold taxes in the other state, which means you probably have to jump through some hoops for the other state. And yeah, anyway, uh, turned into a whole bunch of stuff I didn't want to deal with. So, <laughs> so, so that was a no go. It sounded like it might make more sense if I was trying to hire somebody full time in the state of Utah. But even then, I'm not sure if it's worth it with all of the strings that come attached to having a full-time employee. But we never got that far. So then I was like, okay, because, you know, as I change Mandy's role, I can see her hours going up and down a little bit. I can see, you know, certain things changing in in the way that we do things. And so I was like, okay, well, so, so the things I like about weekly billing are that, you know, I can give her whatever amount of work we agree to for a weekly cost. And then... I know how much it's going to cost and I don't have to worry about, okay, well, is she getting enough hours for her to be happy this week or is she, you know, working way too many hours and, you know, I'm going to get a little bit larger invoice than I, you know, was planning on or things like that. So to that degree, I I like the idea. And also the other thing I like is that, I mean, as long as the stuff gets done, you know, Mm -hmm. as long as a reasonable amount of work gets done for the weekly whatever you know, a weekly bill, then I'd be comfortable with that. That is everything in a nutshell. As long as it gets done, I'd be comfortable. Yep. I mean, not to jump in, but I don't even think weekly is a great idea. I know we've talked about weekly and, and like Eric Davis is a big fan of weekly and you've done weekly. Yeah. Curtis McHale also talked a lot about it when he was on the show. Yeah. And it's a good step. It's better than hourly. But it's more, and, and it does sort of, you're not going to do hours reports, but you still have this meeting every week of, you know, what's going to fit. And then when it doesn't fit, then you have a problem. So I think it's a good step, but it would be way cooler, I think, and potentially better for both parties, Chuck and Mandy, if an outcome was defined and the outcome was paid for. Mm-hmm. Because Chuck could end up paying less and Mandy could end up working less and potentially take on and end up making more by taking on more clients. Right. And I, and I say that with complete ignorance of exactly what Mandy does. I, I, it's probably to a listener, 
might be a little surprising, but I have very little idea of what Mandy does besides herd cats, which is, <laughs> which is so we, we, my we just show We just show up every week and call into Skype. Right. right? Like the, the actual show magic up. that happens behind the scenes. Right. And showing right. up is very virtual. Right. Uh, so I know there's a lot more to it, but I don't know what those things are. And yeah. you guys have the benefit of, you know, what did we just say? Four years of experience Perfect. of pretty much what yeah. needs to get done. So it, you could almost say like, oh, okay, here are the things that need to get done. And they need to, and so the, and the other interesting thing is that I'm guessing a lot of the work is on a weekly cycle. Uh-huh. Yeah, it is because it's mostly the podcasts. Uh-huh. Right. So, so maybe a weekly billing thing kind of does work in this situation because it's really, you're still really paying for an outcome because yeah. the, all the podcasts are on a schedule that are weekly. But really uh-huh. you wouldn't be paying for a week. You'd be paying for the outcome, which is, you know, well, what's the list of things, Mandy? Like, if off the top of your head, what are the what are the top five things that you do every week? Oh, in terms, edit, of, in terms of time commitment on your part, editing and then re-listening and gleaning the show notes and links, and then uploading to the servers, setting the posts up to go out on time, making sure the shows from the week before go out on social media and show up in the listening feeds and stuff like that. I make sure the guests for the next week are, you know, confirmed and know what they're doing. Introduce you guys and say, Hey, this is who we're on having or who we're having on next week. Let's prepare a little bit and that kind of thing. I basically feel like I'm like show manager right now, but I also do a lot of other stuff for Chuck as well. Not a lot, but like I've been managing, helping manage the remote conferences, getting people and speakers lined up for that sponsorships. Yeah. Yeah. So there's like two. So it sounds like a really clear distinction between the weekly show manager, which I love that title, like podcast show manager. That's really cool. And then the other stuff, which sounds like sort of general, you know, Chuck, you you correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like general help Chuck out when he gets busy type of assistant stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if there's any one other thing in there, it is a lot of the conference stuff. She's effectively a paid conference organizer. Gotcha. So two clear, different services with very different details. There's some mm-hmm. similarity, of course, and there's like the relationship that you have in common. So there's like that trust and that's all built up and that's good. But from a marketing standpoint, and this is where Philip could probably jump in, is those would be, if you created those two things, if you were going to offer these things in general and you could come up with a way to optimize it so that uh, DevChat TV didn't take up your entire week and only took up half of your week and you had half a week or a third of the week or something like that where you could offer this same service to somebody else who's doing a weekly podcast like oh i don't know me or philip or i don't know Ruben, do you have a separate podcast uh not yet yeah so, soon, probably. so if you had it down to a science that would clearly be one thing and uh-huh. then another thing would be like online conference organizer or whatever you would call that that thing but they're clearly not the same thing no Jonathan, I just want to dive into a little bit of what, what you just said and did, because it's, it's very interesting to me, but it doesn't sound that hugely different from the sorts of conversations I've had with clients when we talk about me doing a retainer, where I'm like, except that we're talking in terms of time and outcome, right? So what will happen is I'll say, well, I'm probably going to work on your stuff, let's say 20 hours a week, right? And it might be more, it might be less, but as long as I get things done, you're okay with that. So why don't we just say every month you'll pay me for, you know, as if I'm doing 20 hours a week. I understand that there's a semantic difference there, but I'm not quite sure how distinct it is or why it makes a difference. See, I wouldn't call what you just described a retainer. That is, Ah. yeah, a retainer to me, in in its most beautiful sense, 
a retainer is an insurance policy where someone pays you monthly so that if they have a question, you will pick up the phone and get back to them or answer the phone. That's the ideal, platonic ideal of a retainer is that you don't have a deliverable. Your deliverable is answering questions. Now, it could be that I've been using the term incorrectly for all these years, which is totally fine. I mean, a lot of, a lot of uh, people, you know, like lawyers who use the word term retainer, in my opinion, horribly wrong. It's pre, they, what they're talking about is prepayment for hours, which is not a right. retainer. So is this okay. a subscription? Yeah, it's more like a subscription, but there's no deliverable. It's an on demand thing. So it's like it, you're paying for access. Let's say I was going to start a writing career and I knew I was going to have questions for Stephen King, but I don't know what the questions are yet. Like I can't just say, Stephen King, can I pay you for an hour and we'll sit down? And I'll ask you every question I'm ever going to have throughout the course of writing this novel. But as I'm writing the novel, I don't want to be delayed when I do have a question. And I would pay Stephen King, you know, at least $20 a month <laughs> to be able to, <laughs> to call him up. I mean, someone would certainly pay Stephen King $1,000 a month easily. He would never do this. I'm sure he's too, he's too big. But, but someone would pay a famous writer thousands of dollars a month to be able to Call, you know, basically say, dude, what would you do? I've gotten stuck. What would you do here? And so you're basically distinguishing between pay me a subscription per month, per week, whatever it would be, and I'll get your things done. And we know roughly what it's going to take, but no one's going to quibble if it's up 10%, 20% or down 10%, 20% because everyone's happy in the deal in terms of money, in terms of deliverables. Yeah, so and you're saying that's, dis- that's distinct from I am going to pay you so that when I have questions or problems – you must pick up the phone. I think your description of an insurance policy was a very apt one. Well, right. I, so and I think Mandy's doing is a productized service to me. Yeah, and, and mm-hmm. I, I think mm-hmm. I think what you're saying is is that instead of saying I'm going to pay you every week to edit these podcasts, what you're saying is is I pay her. The the fact that I produce podcasts every week means that I'm going to be paying for the service of having the podcast produced every week. But the productized service is one podcast episode. Produced, edited, and put online. Yeah, with a turnaround time. So that's it, it. Just so happens that yours is weekly, and that's why Mandy switching to weekly feels like it makes sense because it, it's a coincidence that you're on a weekly schedule. But if you, for some reason, you say, "Okay, we're going to go on vacation," all the podcasts are going to go on vacation for a month or something. Yeah, you're I'm not, not going to keep Irvin. paying, right? Exactly. Or and if it's I not, say we're going to try and get three or four episodes ahead, which is something I'm actually doing with the shows right now. Then I would pay her for those extra episodes during those weeks, and then they would just be ready to go. Right. So to me, it seems like a there are a bunch of ways you could do it. Like uh, I don't, I haven't looked into Podcast Motor. I don't know if anybody on here has, but it sounds kind of like a similar. It's strictly the editing part, but I think they not, do some of the other work too. Do they? Well, so imagine this. Imagine a scenario where Mandy got it set up so that she doesn't have to do the editing part. She pays Podcast Motor and kind of not resells the service, but basically she just outsources the sort of tedious part. Let's just say that part's tedious. I don't know if it is. I kind of like editing podcasts, but let's just say it's tedious. And like, geez, you know, Podcast Motor lets me do like, you know, I can do five of these per month or five of these per week for like a hundred bucks. And wow, I mean, it's like, I'd be crazy not to do that. And then I can use Podcast Motor for like, two or three chucks and do the stuff that's really hard to automate, like the social media stuff and dealing with the, not speakers, but the the guests and do the stuff that takes a lot of high touch. And then, oh, by the way, I can start to automate a lot of this stuff and have like drip campaigns that people automatically subscribe to and they automatically get CC to all the right things. And like before you know it, Mandy's just doing the stuff that a human actually needs to do and has outsourced a lot of the other things. 
and could potentially do, you know, let's say she could do 10 X of these. She could, you could end up paying less. She could be doing less or doing about the same and making way more money. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at podcast motors, uh, pricing page right now and their $500 a month is five shows or five, five episodes, uh, including intros, outros, music, sound effects, etc. They tag the MP3 file with ID3 tags. They fine tune the recording. I'm assuming, you know, so they remove noise and, uh, you know, balance audio levels and things like that. And then they also write the show notes. Let, let me interject, if you guys don't mind, with a, a big picture question. So I, I am getting a sense of sort of the responsibilities of running the show, but I, I don't really understand what really creates value. I, I guess I don't really understand how the show relates to your business, Chuck, because I imagine the sponsorship checks get made out to you and yes. not you and Mandy. So what would make the show have more value to you as a business asset? That's a good question. I mean... To, to me, that's part of this this conversation. Yeah. So I kind of coasted for a while. <laughs> I'll admit that. You know, I'm getting back into it now and making sure that things get out there. I definitely would like to see more growth. I think that would add a lot more value. How that okay, trans- so, so more more listeners? Yeah, Sorry, more, okay. yeah, more listeners. Or I mean, more downloads, I guess. Yeah, a little of both. I mean, you've got yeah. the downloads and you've got the web traffic to the web okay. page. Okay. Mainly because both of those help sell the sponsorships and then also seeing growth helps sell the sponsorships. Okay. So how do I get that? I mean, cause that, that's the real deal, right? Is how do I get that? So, um, I've got some automation set up where the episodes get posted to Facebook and they get posted to Twitter. I'm working on getting it automated so that they wind up on YouTube as well, though that hasn't really been a major growth area for me. And I'm not, I'm not sure if there's something else I need to be doing there. But, you know, some of that, like the format of the show, I like keeping consistent. So I don't know that there's a whole lot I would change there that would get us more listeners. And I think the listeners are pretty well accustomed to what we do. So we'd probably have more issues if we change things drastically than not. So I'm really curious if if there's a contribution Mandy could make to that part of things beyond just, I mean, not just, but beyond the very important part of the sort of tactical stuff of getting the show out and and all the many things she does there. Because to me, that that could be a very interesting part of this com- this whole conversation. Or maybe right. I've derailed the conversation. I don't know. But No, I it's fine. I mean, no, you're expanding it. You're expanding yeah. it to value creation, which is great. Yeah. I mean, one other thing that I think, and I've been thinking about um, having Mandy do this. I haven't talked to her about it yet. Surprise! Well, you are now. <laughs> <laughs> is uh, actually, in addition to getting resources from the guests and having the guests... Um, you know, share those resources via email, but actually a week before the show is supposed to be recorded, actually have her get on and conduct a mini interview with the guest and just ask them a couple of questions about what we're talking about and what the major points are and, and the things that we should be looking at, you know, some of the main points that are going to be made and make sure that they realize that, you know, a lot of the podcasts, the power in the podcast come from stories and we need to, you know, it's like, look, You know, uh, what are some of the stories you want to tell? And then send that to all of us. So she does like a 15-minute chat with them, sends that to us along with the list of resources that they give her. And then that way we have something that we can listen to. We kind of get a feel for where things could go, and we can do a little bit of research on our own. Oh, so kind of moving into more of a producer role. Yeah. That sounds valuable. That would be cool. Who sells the sponsorships now? How does that work? I've been doing that. I would like her to do that. 
Right. I mean, that's a, that would right, right there would be like the line between there's sort of oh, operations, yeah. there's marketing, there's sales. And the closer you get to sales, the closer you get to the easy to justify costs, I guess. Yeah. So operations, if anything, at, at best is really like table stakes slash cost cutting for in terms of your time, Chuck. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if Mandy was like, you know, dropping a $5,000 sponsorship on you every couple of weeks, you'd be like, sweet. Yep. Can yeah, I pay would... you more? Yeah. Yeah, and I've toyed with the idea of even doing like the sponsorship stuff on commission. So Yeah, that gets into a whole different it whole does. Di- it the gets whole into... sales realm's whole different realm. Yeah. But I mean that's another thing where it's, you know, completely automate that and actually, you know, reach out when we have openings and follow mm-hmm. up with people and you know, mm-hmm. close the sales. Here's a point that I just want to make before we go farther down the rabbit hole, which is I just want to make sure that it's true. That Chuck, let's say Mandy does all the same things that she currently does. And let's say you agreed to a per show or a weekly amount of, I'm tempted to throw out numbers, but like, I don't want to make you guys uncomfortable. So I, I don't know what, I have no idea what kind of money we're talking about here, but let's just it's, say it's X, right? So currently uh-huh. it's X per week. If she had things set up so she could do, and that, and that takes her all week right now. If she set things up so that it took her five minutes, would you care? No. Yeah, exactly. That's that is the crux of the entire thing. That is the right. problem. See that right? That right there is an important point because it's identifying a task or a goal that's very clear, very specific, easy to understand, and that's repeatable. And so, in such a case, Chuck's happy to get the podcast out and the advertising and whatever else will be done, and he couldn't care less if it takes her a second or a week. But it better take less than a week because there's right. another podcast coming down the pike. So, Mandy, uh, so so while we're on the, so the flip side of this coin is to – this is hard because it usually only happens after you stop billing by the hour that you notice this. But I wonder, Mandy, if you're sensitive to this or not. So the question is, if you could do the work you're currently doing, would you even spend time right now? Or Oh, here's a better question. In the last couple of months, have you spent any time figuring out how to do the work you're currently doing faster? Um, yeah. I always try to do it as quickly as possible, but every show is different. Every guest is different. Sometimes you talk more, sometimes you talk less. But I, I mean, when I was starting, I was doing, I was taking me between three and five hours to edit the ums and ahs out of one podcast. Now, it, if it takes three, that's a lot. Okay. So that, there's another point which mm-hmm. is unless your hourly rate went up, now you got better and you make less. Yeah, that's true. So that's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> <In my opinion. laughs> so here's a problem the thing for that who? happened to me. It's a problem for, it's a problem for everyone. I agree. Because it, it decreases wealth creation. Well, Chuck could be utilizing me for other things. Yeah, exactly. That would potentially bring him more money sponsorship wise. You know, and that's why I've thought about taking some of these podcasts and farming them out, but I don't know how I feel about that because I don't know. I, these, it's hard for me because I will say these shows are like my baby now. Like all the shows, they're like, you know, I put them out there and they're my babies. I can say, yeah, I did that. So I'm like, I'm hesitant to farm them out and have the, you know, I know what's going on now. I don't know how to 
I mean, and Chuck probably felt like this when he handed him off to me, too. Little so bit. it's Yeah, so it's kind of like, it gives you anxiety to be like, well, is it going to be right? I would have done this this way. Now I have to go back and fix this. Like, so, so dare I admit that I listen to every show after it's published anyway? Uh-huh. Uh, I do. I listen to all wow. of them. Here, this gets into another thing, you know, that I, I'm kind of been noodling over for the last little while, and that is that Mandy is very talented and very smart and very organized. So having her edit podcasts doesn't always feel like the best use of her time anyway. I mean, she does a great job, but that's sort of beside the point. I would almost rather have her build me a team that does a lot of this stuff and then just manage the team for me, if yeah. that makes sense. That's kind of what I want, but like, then I had, this is a question that I had that if we did that, who's paying the team? Am I paying the team or am I, are you paying the team and I'm man, you know what I, and, and see, yeah. And for me, I would want it to be my team. The the two are, let me jump in here and say just incidentally, the two are very different. Yes. When you introduce a sort of a chain between the beginning and the end of the flow of money, being in the middle of that chain is completely different than if you're not in it at all. So it's just, it's worth thinking of taking, thinking about I, very seriously. Yeah. I just put it out there cause it's something that I've been considering, but I have not pressed. Yeah. I mean, one thing that's interesting is that your Mandy's level of emotional commitment to what she's doing is like a partner level. It's not like, Oh, you know, there's yeah. this guy and he has me edit his dumb podcast and, you know, it's it's a very, very heavily invested, and I think that's one of the prerequisites for the kind of win-win we're trying to help you both achieve here. Yeah, and that's exactly how I feel about it. People are like, oh, what are you doing? And I'm like, well, I, I really, like, it's not just these these dumb guys talking about this dumb computer stuff that I don't even know what they're talking about. Like, I care. <laughs> like, I get really emotional. And then, like... Once I get to know panelists, like if they leave, I get sad. Like yeah. it's, it becomes very emotional. Yeah. I, th- I think that's great because that speaks to a level of investment that, that really could go somewhere. Yeah. I mean, that's that kind of connection allows the buyer, in this case, Chuck, to really trust that if Mandy was outsourcing the editing, that she's going to be as much of a stickler about it as he is, if not more. You know, so you've got that trusted advisor position on the Chuck hiring a team and Mandy managing them or Chuck paying a team and Mandy managing them. My skin, I just like, uh, I had a horrible reaction to that. It was like, it's in so my, but my question is, why would you want to do that, Chuck? Like, why would you want to put together a team? Uh, I don't know. Cause I you're mean, not talking about employees, right? You're no, talking about. No, 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 um, Yeah. Why would you want to do that? That sounds like a nightmare. Well, for me, it's just. Or is it just to save money? No, it's a control thing. Oh, okay. I, I will admit that. I mean, it, it's a control thing. And I don't know. But you trust Mandy. You believe oh, I Mandy's. Totally, I totally yeah. trust Mandy. Right. So imagine if imagine if Mandy was delivering the same level of quality in less time for less money. Uh-huh. Would you care if she was using a team or if you had control over them? And Mandy, if they were, if you were able to train people, outsource people that were, that you said these are the standards and... And this is what, you know, these are the, the standards that you have to meet and they were meeting it. I assume that neither one of you would have a problem with any of that. No, I wouldn't have no. a problem with that. No, I, I'm, I'll admit that right now I do have one subcontractor. She helps me with another client show 
it really does take a stupid long amount of time for me to do stuff that somebody could be doing for a lot cheaper. Right. And yeah. I would be more interested in gaining a bigger role because, you know, the better Chuck's podcasts do is not only just better for him, it's better for me. You know, I want to kind of like go out there and, cha- and, you know, not chase sponsors, but, you know, talk to people and be like, hey, look, this show, you know, because Chuck, he's doing other stuff. He's doing the conferences and, and stuff like that. So if he had somebody out there going, you know, taking care of the, the backside and just being like, hey, you know, this is what we do. This is and then, you, you know, we raise sponsorships and get all the sponsorship money, then it takes off. And I think that's what oh has always been his main idea with the whole devchat.tv empire is that, like that you, empire. Kind, of, like you that. kind of want I feel <laughs> the Chuck empire strikes it. back. <laughs> he wants it to go that direction but it's not there yet. Yeah, to be perfectly honest, if all I had to do was show up and record the shows and drop them off in Dropbox and that was it, then I didn't have to do any really anything else. I didn't have to go chase sponsors and I didn't have to go you know, do much work in the way of finding guests and things like that. I mean, that would be sort of my ideal setup because I can just come and do the parts that I like and then it would all just kind of work. Yeah. Like Leo Laporte of, of this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or Dan Benjamin. I I don't know how much, he, you know, I don't know how much Dan Benjamin does, but Leo Laporte, I don't think does much except for show up and look pretty. I, I think, I think you're right. I've talked to Leo a couple of times, not in depth about this kind of thing, but. Yeah, it really does feel like, you know, he just shows up and records. And when he's out of town for something, then somebody else shows up and records. And the show (laughs) just goes out. Right. And that's what I want. And honestly, one of the biggest things that I don't like right now about what I do is that I do five shows a week for just Chuck. That's half of my week right there. So that's, if say, they, they all take three hours. That's 15 hours a week that I could be spending talking to other people and talking to sponsors so it it really does the editing part i feel like there needs to be a way that we can hand it off but not hand it off but yeah outsource it yeah i mean yeah right if you weren't getting paid by the hour and you were so i I was very anti-week before but since it's such a weekly thing it's probably not the worst thing in the world but basically if chuck was like look for five shows per week Per show, per week, I'll pay you this much. That's, you know, it's a per show thing. Whether it's a week or a month, it doesn't matter. It happens to be weekly so that you can project your cash flow. You know, he's like, he's not going to, dis- he's not going to cancel a bunch of shows or something, you know, so you mm-hmm. get an idea what your income is. And then you spent like, I don't know, next six weeks or so figuring out how to take that budget that you now have per show instead of per yes, hour. That's what I want to do. And then and that's you take why, that and just and figure I, it out. I, and that's why I feel like if, you know, Chuck was talking about this team, but I feel like I could find somebody and then I would just bill Chuck and then right. I would just bill this, I, the person would bill me. It's it's interesting that you're talking about this because the more we talk about it, the more I'm thinking, yeah, then I wouldn't even have to worry about no, who's on the it, team. I would. I would. And that's right. kind of what I want as I want to build the DevRups team, you know, because I do have the LLC, my business. And I haven't done much with it yet, except like right now, I mean, I'm, I'll, I'll be vulnerable here. 80% of my income falls right under Chuck. The other 20% I do here and there. 
So I, it, it is a lot for me. You know, if, if Chuck said tomorrow, Mandy, we're done, I would cry. I would, I would be devastated. <laughs> Chuck's such a jerk. Well, Jeez. So, so it, it, it sounds like, though, there, there are like a few things going on here. First of all, it sounds like you guys, through this conversation, this very interesting way to sort of go through it, you've basically <laughs> defined, and one or two of you mentioned this earlier, really a, a productized consulting um, offering par excellence. Right, like per show, pay X, and then Mandy basically has a budget, and she can take all the money and do the work herself. She can give a hundred percent of away to to someone else who, who who charges a lot, or she can try to balance that out and find someone who will make less, and she'll manage that person, check for quality control, and so forth. But that sounds like a a, a healthier situation than paying by the hour, certainly. And, and yeah, Chuck, I can't imagine you really want to have like start managing a team of people doing editing and all that stuff on the contrary, uh, by contrast, Mandy is totally hundred percent in your interest to build up a team that's specializing in podcasting as podcasting becomes increasingly popular. You will yeah. then have not only a set of skills that are in demand, but a team of people who have those skills and who have a very clear pricing and like, uh, you know, a pricing strategy and a way of working with people. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what I've kind of envisioned DevReps to be. But I've, I, like I said, I spend so much time and energy doing the editing myself and doing the show notes and stuff that by the time I'm done with my day, like I don't even want to play words with friends on my phone. I just, I, I don't, I want to get close the computer, get it away from me. And so my business hasn't, I haven't done anything like that with it that I want to because I'm so stuck doing this other stuff. Wow, that's that's a new definition of tired. Too tired for words with friends. No, it oh. is. No, my yeah. <laughs> this yeah, is my, why it is my mission to rid the earth of hourly billing <laughs> because well, it creates that it creates that <laughs> dynamic. Yeah, but the other thing is is no. that the way that Mandy's talking about what she wants to do and the way that we would arrange things going forward if we did this it it really appeals it sounds like to both of us because it gets her to the place where she wants to be where she has more time uh probably more money more clients and it gets me to the place where i'm saying okay i'm plunking down x dollars for x outcome period and mm -hmm. and so it's it's really clear really clear expectations uh the value proposition is very clear um you know this is what i expect to see and, you know, because then all I have to do is I, I probably do have to help manage a few things that weren't on the list of show up and record the show and meet all the cool people who listen to the show. I'm curious yeah. if this does anything good for the metrics of tracking. Like, like basically, if, if you could basically arrive at a, well, I make X dollars per show and I see that number move over time based on Mandy's contribution or her plus her team's contribution, that seems like a very interesting thing to add. Maybe you can do that now with hourly, or maybe you can't. I, I really don't know, but I'm curious to hear some thoughts on that. I'm not sure what you're saying. So for example, I, with the sponsorships, I make X dollars per episode. And then, you know, Mandy's contributions allow me to raise sponsorship rates and or product income by X dollars more per episode. Right. And so right. she's adding she's adding 20% more value or whatever 
in the revenue. Way that she's doing we're, we're talking revenue yeah. here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, is that, is that how you conceive of this or, or maybe this is not, you know, maybe this is more of a passion project for you. I, I really don't know. So it started out the, this way and I'm going to kind of talk about a little bit more of my vision with devchat.tv. I had a long talk with a guy named Anders. I forget his last name. Peterson, I think. He's from Denmark at Microconf. I don't know if Mandy's actually edited that interview yet. But, you know, he was talking about the way that he runs his company. And it informed me in a lot of ways as far as he was talking about weekly accountability. So it was, you know, have a meeting on Monday, find out what everyone's going to get done. Everybody kind of supports each other through the week to get everything done. And then the next Monday, everybody tells, you know, basically what they got done. And then you do it again for the next week. And it seems like this kind of thing would just automate that as far as the shows go, because it would be, and, you know, it's basically there anyway, but, you know, it would be, okay, well, you know, here's your X dollars, you know, make the show come out. But the other thing is, is that I'm looking at adding some digital products this year and I'm, and adding some other revenue sources this year. Expanding the conferences is one of those. So I think there are some ways that Mandy could add value just in the sense of being able to promote those things as well that would increase revenue. I think there are probably some things where we could get a little bit higher quality shows and that would also make it easier to grow the audience and get better sponsors. That was a dig. Well, I agree. I agree. There are a lot of things that I can think of off the top of my head that over the past four years, I could sit down and be like, hey, Chuck, have you considered doing this, this, and this, and this would make the shows this much better? But then at the same time, I'm thinking about it, and I'm like, do I really want to tell him that? Because it's just going to create more work for me. <laughs> so there's, you know, then I have that internal conversation with myself, and I'm like, you know, I'm already working close to between 30 and, you know, I say around 30 hours every week for Chuck. Do I want to? Spend 10 more or, you know. She doesn't like me that much. No, I, I do. <laughs> I, I, I kind of want the life for Yeah, I mean, I, I do have a, a great freelancing life. I, you know, I get to be at home with my daughter while she's home from school. You know, Chuck knows I'm on the East Coast. I work basically 8 to 4, sometimes 5, 6. He knows pretty much in the evenings I'm not around. Sometimes in the night I'll be around. If not, it's no big deal. But... I would like to do, I mean, I, isn't it everybody's dream that you want to do less but make more? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm in that boat too, so. Yeah. yeah. This is like a classic, I, I, I feel like this is not rare. Like, I feel like if more people had this kind of conversation, it would come up all the time. The thing, Mandy, the thing that you just said about the internal conflict about holding back good ideas because you don't have time to do them is... Yeah, that made me feel bad. Because I want to know them. I want to know all of them. Right, but it's not your fault. It's that she's getting paid by the hour. Yeah, it is. (laughs) Well, Well, I don't Jonathan, in theory, if she's getting paid by the hour and she gives more ideas and there's more work for her, then that's a good thing. Yeah, unless she doesn't have more hours. See, yeah. Here's the, yeah, but there's well, that that's balance. What I was going to ask you about this before, and it, we reared somewhere else. So you say you would pay to ask Stephen King questions every month. Well, when does Stephen King say, okay, that's enough, and you're being obnoxious, and I'm done? Like, if is I'm there being a obnoxious, limit? He just, yeah, he just fires <laughs> me. Yeah. Is there a limit to that? Like, is the, do you get five questions a month? Do you get one question a month? Like, 
And then I'll tell you exactly you... how I'll tell you exactly how I do it when I'm the Stephen King in the in the. Uh, okay. In the... By the way, it's so... eight questions. <laughs> <laughs> I'm negotiating right now. <laughs> I, I like... want all my questions. <laughs> the way that I do it is, first of all, I I am picky about who I work with. So anybody that's got red flags and sometimes even yellow flags, I won't work with them because I know they're going to be trouble. And people who I just like work with, you know, I, I filter out people who are not respectful of my time, basically. So I never have a problem. And in the rare cases where somebody does get kind of amped up because they've got a deadline or something like that, there are ways that you can manage it by extending to the maximum of your... So like normally you'll say, oh, you know, if you leave me a message, I'll get back to you within... 24 hours or 90 minutes or whatever your response time is. If somebody's being ridiculous, you just wait the maximum amount of time and it, it just like throttles them. I almost never have to do that, but I've done it once or twice in the past 10 years oh. where you just, you just slow them down by not being, you, you stay as responsive as you promised, uh -huh. but you don't get into that ridiculous, you know, like you guys emailing each other every five seconds and yeah. <clears throat> there's that. The other thing is, if they just go off the handle or whatever, you just feel like this isn't working out. See ya. I know you can do that. Well, with that's Chuck, why I think. Like, like, I think every week we should have like, in and Chuck already talked about this on Monday. We sit down, we plan out the week. Okay, we obviously want these five shows to go out. They need to get done. Okay, boom. I take care of that behind the scenes. I manage it how I want because I charge Chuck for every podcast takes this much. However, I get it done is up to me. But then we can be like, okay, well, this week I would like to get two more sponsors. Can we get a silver sponsor for Ruby Rose and a gold sponsor for Freelancer's Show? Go. And so then, I see this as, yeah, I see this as two different things. So yeah, like, they're two different products at that point. Yes, it's two different products, exactly. And the second one, the one that you just mentioned, is probably the one that you should be spending more time on for your sake and Chuck's sake. That's what I want. Yeah. yeah. And the first one, everybody needs... Because it's your security, Mandy, it's your security, and Chuck, mm -hmm. you need it. Yep. So it's, you guys just work that one out, come up with a number. Mandy automates as much of it, outsources as much of it, so that she's ending up with a nice, respectable profit margin. Chuck's spending the same that he was, but it's for a very specific thing. Because one thing I am hearing in this is there's a lot of blurriness. Yes. Like, like Mandy is the catch-all. And yeah. that's, that's not great. Because you have the, no idea. <laughs> well, so, and, and you don't get to, I'm imagining you don't get different hourly rates for different things, right? No. No, I'm just flat. That's the problem. And, and Ruben, that's the answer to the question before about, well, she'd just have, be working more hours. So wouldn't that be great? It's like, yes, but the, she's not commencing, you know, those, those extra 20 hours on top of the 30 is now 50 hours a week, but for incrementally greater value for Chuck, but no incrementally greater, like a linear increase in value for Mandy. So it's not fair. Well, and some so, of the stuff isn't super high value for me. I just don't want to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I get that. But I'm saying like the good ideas that she hasn't shared, it's because yeah. it doesn't have a good ROI for her. And I, I'm not even saying that was conscious on your part, Mandy. It's just the nature of the incentive. It's the nature no, of it's, financial incentive. And, and I have no problem. Like, yeah, I just, I'm like, well, I, I could see him doing this, but it's just like, that's going to create like two more hours worth of work for me. And I'm tired. Yeah. <laughs> right. Where, where, whereas I guess if it were not on an hourly basis, you're saying. Well, it, she could just bring it, it on may... somebody else and then add the value and add that onto the price. 
Well, every podcast I'm not editing myself, I'm getting three hours of time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why least. do you think I hired you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's kind of like if and, – and, but at the same time, it's becoming also not very challenging or rewarding for me anymore because I'm bored. I get bored of editing these. I'm like, this is the same old stuff every other week. Oh, yay. Jonathan Stark. My goodness. (laughs) Anyway. But I I, I like it. But at the same time, I feel like I have come further as a business person, as a person in four years that I'm not living up to my full potential. And I'm just sitting here pressing the delete button and highlighting stuff when I could... When I could be really giving Chuck more value, which in turn gives him more money, which in turn gives me more money. Exactly. Yep. It's, it's this, Ma- that's Mandy, the wealth. I like that virtuous cycle. About. I really yes. do. Yes. Okay. Mandy, you're the audio equivalent of a programmer who wants to move up to management or be an architect or consultant. Yeah. You just, Mandy just described. <laughs> I want you, harder problems. Yeah. I she do. Just, she just described exactly how I feel about coding, which I've done for my entire professional career. And now I'm completely bored by it, and I feel like Blasphemy. it's a waste of my time. Okay, yeah. so I, I do have a question that I want to ask. And this is this is uh, for Mandy, and it's something I've been meaning to talk to you about for a while, but what are you looking to get out of this? I mean, besides money, yeah. you know, what what do you want to get out of you know a contract with me or with any other client? Honestly, this is... I don't know if this is... I want dev reps to grow. I want it, you know, to be like, okay, we're the, we're the podcast motor. You know, I'm not, uh-huh. you know, podcast motor, you're probably great, but I'm coming. Okay. <laughs> so, awesome. so, you know, I want to get to that, but I want to, I want to do other options, you know, remote conferences and have this thing that I manage, you know, blah, blah, blah. But ultimately what I've wanted to do for the past four years, it's increasingly been what I wanted to do because I mean, let's, let's face it, I'm a, I'm a successful. I went from being on welfare, food stamps, Medicaid, research, to making close to six figures in a year in about two years' time. Wow. And I really want, I don't want to go into politics here, but I have very strong feelings about, you know, people, it's possible. Don't give up. Like I wanna, I wanna speak at conferences and like, like, and maybe even like younger girls or women who, you know, have, are single moms and have kids and I wanna be like, look, you know, it's not over. Like you can do this. I want, I want to ultimately be like a keynote speaker and be like, look at me. You can do this too. Okay. So <laughs> I, I was gonna ask the why, but you got to the why. You, you yeah. made your way there. Yeah. So. Awesome. So here's here's really the other thing that I, I want to drive at with my relationship with Mandy, and that is that how does you working with me help you get to that place? Okay. In other words, how do we structure things with the way that we work together so that I can help you achieve some of those things? That's a good question. I mean, I some of the contacts that I've made through you, I mean, are invaluable. I mean, there are some people that, you know, have been guests on the shows that come to me and ask me to edit their podcast. But at the same time, I don't want to keep editing podcasts. So the, there's relationships there that are to be gained. You know, obviously the fame aspect. 
Yeah, but I guess what I'm asking is like, so, you know, I'm, I'm going to keep paying you to edit the podcasts and, and things like that. But but what other role can you play in my business that gets you to where you want to be? I mean, is that I mean, do you want more of a, you know, a speaking role or more of a, you know, do you want to make more appearances? Do you want to have some say one way or the other in certain aspects of things that are going to, you know, to get you where you want to go to fulfill kind of that core purpose that you have. Yeah. I, I mean, I obviously, I, I feel like I'm going to have to start out small. You know, if I can say to you, this is how much I have to work with. Okay. Now I'm just going to figure out how, how to get it done for as little as possible. And then, go back and do the things that, you know, I want to do for you, like give you those ideas and be like, here's what we can do to make the show better. Here's what we can do to, you know, have more interest from the sponsors and like come from there. So I want to like help you put that business up there so that eventually, you know, once dev reps grows after intentional excellence and dev chat grows, then we both can just kind of like, okay, I have dev reps and whoever's in charge of dev reps at that time can obviously take over while I'm going and traveling around the country and talking to people. Okay. But I'm still involved. From the outside, it sounds like a mutually beneficial relationship where Chuck gets value and it's sort of this back and forth leveling up process where, yeah, yeah where both parties end up gaining profit from each transaction. Like that's the, that's the beauty of a value-based relationship is that both parties get more ROI and they both grow. Sounds good to me. (laughs) (laughs) So the, the, the thing that we're, the thing that we haven't touched on that is the, that is a tricky part is the actual math. So Mandy's, you know, being able to, there's some things that might not be able to be outsourced and some things that just can't be automated. And on Chuck's side, there's a certain maximum value that he can get from cutting costs. There's a maximum cost that can be cut. There's a maximum value. So, so like the, the, the negotiation part, which is probably not appropriate to have on the, on the podcast, um, but would be compelling. Uh, <laughs> um, don't the, hold the, part, two, part two part two right part two is <laughs> like okay everybody's got to find a number for it we could charge for it there we go there you go Get it. <laughs> content upgrade fisticuffs is the service it gets tricky there so like so you know it, it's it's simple in the sense that lifting up a engine block with your bare hands is simple like you get the idea but it's not complicated, but it's still hard. Yeah. And the, the not complicated part is that Mandy needs to decrease her costs. So like there's this price. The price is the amount of money that, it, that changes hands. And Chuck wants to increase his, so the, let's say the price is the, is the point that doesn't change. So the price is fixed. It's always X per week. Chuck wants to get increasing value from that investment. And Mandy wants to decrease her costs and still be able to get that to command that same price, deliver the same value or deliver more value. So the crazy thing is you you can do that. Like if you're not billing by the hour, you can do that. Uh, Mandy through more efficiency and automation and Chuck through, you know, streamlining and potentially uh, Mandy offering new services that assuming that Mandy was the only person that was offering new services, 
then you could have like both people get more profit from the same dollar exchange. Right. That's the magic of this. And then both businesses grow. And you can take on more customers and therefore get more ROI, more revenue overall from which she's also making more profit. That's and, and same with Chuck. Yep. So Chuck's kind of like right now is, you know, the whale client, Mandy's whale client. I'm not that big. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. But, but yeah. The, but you asked before about, you know, what's what's in it for her, basically. Like, how does this get her closer to her goals? And it's like, well, your stability. Yes. Your foundation. Mm-hmm. You know, but she also expressed a uh, concern that, you know, if you disappeared, she's got kind of a lot of eggs in one basket. If she had a, a clearly defined productized service, then it wouldn't be the end. It would be horrible, but it wouldn't be the end of the world because she'd be able to say, I've got this defined thing that now I can go out and sell, you know, yeah. to a, a, a lot of other people. It'd be a very clear thing. It's not just like, hey, do you need me for X dollars per hour? It's like this defined thing like you got a podcast. I can get it out every week at this extremely high level of quality. Check out my portfolio of 200 episodes of this one podcast alone. You know, so there's God, tons, of, tons of, yeah, you she do. Does. I mean, the <laughs> testimonials, the case studies, the, um, the port, yeah, I said portfolio, right? Portfolio, testimonial, case studies. You've got everything to go out and be selling this product as long as you, um, you know, definitely keep dev chat as the number one. <laughs> well, well that's what happy. I want. And that's, and, I mean, also, ultimately look, that's where my loyalty lies. I've got to jump in and say, you have an interesting, uh, marketing opportunity to use, you know, the entire dev, dev chat portfolio. If you could work it out with Chuck as, uh, you could be like an in-kind sponsor and get mentioned that way. Just yeah. want to I, throw I that, throw I that totally in there. Help her sell it. Yep. I would have no problem with that. Or maybe I should negotiate that. Up. For a lower fee, I would. <laughs> <laughs> I get a, I get a bumper. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> it, but, it has value, so you could use it, it as a negotiating chip. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, before before that, though, I, I would like to, I don't want to just like, you know, add this bumper. Then I have all these clients and I'm like, oh, God, now I don't even know what to do. Yeah, I think there are some processes here that you have to figure out. We've had lots of conversations about this on Entreprogrammers, actually. And what John Sonmez has actually been doing with this is he goes on to Upwork and he puts out... I'm actually doing this right now with the conference videos because I need to get them edited in my video editor guy that's in China totally flaked. But I'm, I just put out a one-video deal. So I said, look, I have a video I need edited. Um, you know, this may turn into an ongoing deal... And then I plan on hiring like at least three, maybe four or five people, you know, that look promising to do the work. And then, you know, I can bring them on and teach them how to do whatever it is I need to do. And if you have a preference for, I want people close to my time zone, which means North and South America generally, or if you have, but, but once you have like the process for, here's how I get more people who are capable of doing what I need done. And here, here's the process for editing a show. And here's the process for writing show notes for a show. And here's the process for, you know, doing all these other things. And you can clearly put to those people, here's how this has to be done. And then, you know, do some random quality checks. You know, you can probably get pretty close. It sounds, I mean, we talked about a lot of stuff and I'm sure it's super overwhelming. Uh-huh. And there's, but if the financial incentive is there and it's set up in the way that I think all financial incentives should be set up in cases like this, 
then all of a sudden you're like, okay, I, you know, you look at it like Ruben said, I've got a budget here and now I can decide which pieces of this are affordable to outsource that allow me to do more of something else that's much higher value. Yeah, and, that's what I want. Yeah. That's ultimately what I want. And, and yeah. that's what I wanted to jump in and make an observation about. The, everybody who moves up the value chain, which is a fancy MBA, you know, 50 cent word for you find some way to deliver more value faces this some version of this where they're like, I, I get that I could be charging more and I get that there's a need for that. But now I have to start doing different things. And there's always a learning curve. So just, you know, for oh, yeah. the folks at home, you're going to face this, too, if you try to move out of the sort of commodity level work. And it, it just comes with the territory. Oh, it's scary. I'm, I'm not going to lie. It's giving me anxiety because I'm going to be like, but what if this person does this and then I don't get this done and then I'm going to spend more hours and I'm not going to have this money and then I'm not going to get this done. And I'm like, oh, mm. it's going to be anxiety ridden. But I think it's something that I could do. And I'm definitely up for the challenge. And I know I know one of your clients pretty well. <laughs> he, he's a pretty understanding guy. <laughs> so, you know, if you if you told him that you were figuring this out, he'd probably cut you a little bit of a break if, if stuff didn't go exactly to plan. Yeah, I, I figured. <laughs> <laughs> that, I mean, I just can't help but observe. That's another characteristic of a real partnership between a, a client and a freelancer or consultant is that yeah. the, you know, the freelancer doesn't feel like they have to put up a smoke screen when things aren't going well. They can just say, look, you know, I, I didn't expect this. Things aren't going well. But I'm working on it and, uh, you know, I'll keep you updated and yada, yada. And you'll be surprised. Sometimes a client's like, what can I do to help? Yeah, it's, it's such I've a... definitely had that. I've had clients that, you know, I've had personal issues and they, they knew something was wrong. And they're like, well, if you need me to free pet. And I'm like, no, I got this. I got this. But, I mean, yeah, it's always good to be a little bit vulnerable. The other thing is, is that I personally am not a confrontational person. I mean, you can get me ticked off and sure, I'll get in your face. But for the most part, I'm not. And if I have to be the a-hole boss, then we're not going to work together very long. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, Philip keeps using the term partnership. And that's exactly what this is. And it's exactly why it works. Because if it weren't, then I'd be like, I am done. I'm done. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be the a-hole boss. I have to keep checking up on you. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm consistently frustrated. And I hate feeling that way. So to not feel that way, I'm going to find somebody who doesn't make me feel that way. But, yeah. but because we have the other kind of relationship where it's like, hey, I got crap that needs to happen. And you say, OK, well, I can make that crap happen. And then <laughs> it just happens and you let me know that it happened or you let mm -hmm. me know I don't have time this week. And so I'm like, OK, well, I'll find another way to make it happen. Either I'll do mm -hmm. it or I'll find somebody else to do it. You know, and, and having that back and forth where we can just, you know, be candid with each other as far as where we're at. Yeah, that's why this works. And it's also why if you get to the point where you're going, OK, well, I've got two or three people. They're kind of learning the ropes. There's a glitch in one of the podcasts that nobody but Chuck and Mandy noticed because mm -hmm. most people, you know, they, they don't even hear that stuff. You know, I'd be like, OK, well, I get it. I, I see where you're at. And then you fix it and re-upload the episode and nobody cares. Mm hmm. Yeah, I definitely think that we should, you know, at least like talk offline about you know, me just charging you per podcast a, a certain number and then see what I can do. Yep. What's the worst? What's the worst? We could even do a trial period. We can do it for yeah. a month, revisit it, be like, is this working or is it not working? And why isn't it working? Yeah. The other thing that I would also like to do is because I kind of dump everything your way, 
mm-hmm. is I'd like to figure out, okay, what are the things that you're going to do for me? So you have some kind of, I hate to say job description, but that's effectively uh-huh. what it is, is we have an understanding about the value proposition. Let's put it that way. Okay. Yeah. So you're going to provide these valuable services to me and I'm going to pay you a certain amount for them and then figure out what the other things are that need to come off of that plate so that I can figure out how to automate those on my own and hand them to somebody else. Because if you're trying to be everything, you know, everything assistant for me and you're just Mm -hmm. trying to be podcast lady for everybody else, Mm -hmm. uh, that might be tricky. But, you know, if you're if you're highly focused on providing, you know, that kind of value, then I can be delighted with that work and I can find somebody else to do the other stuff. Well, ultimately, I like to have like a team. Like, here's my podcast people. Here's my remote conference event planning people. Uh Here's my email marketing people. And here, you know, and have them in the groups and be like, okay, this is all dev reps. This is we, we represent developers. This is what we do. This is our niche. So I, I want, that's what I want dev reps to be. I have yeah. my people here, 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 and here. Yeah, I'm just saying whatever whatever services you don't handle are things that I don't know if that's something that, you know, we necessarily But I want to handle them all. Okay. I want to handle them all. Like, I want to have small teams of people within my organization. Right handling that so i can be like okay maria over here is my podcast person yeah and then over here i've got you know this person and over here i've got joe doing this doesn't this mean though that for every new kind of task and maybe this is not a bad thing right doesn't this mean though that every time chuck is like a new task he wants to give to mandy they have to then talk about well was this worth and how you know how we're going to package this up and the relationship then becomes well we have these five different Productized consulting is going on between us. One's for podcasts, one is for conferences, um, and so forth. Doesn't that make things confusing in many ways? I think it could. There's it a, could. I think part of the problem, I think, is, or not problem, but the, it's really a, a good thing and a bad thing is that there's such an extended relationship already in place. So if it were me, I would say <laughs> I would carve out the specifically the podcast production stuff, the, the podcast specific, like that, that, first list of things that Mandy said that she spends yeah. most of her time on, give that a specific price. Everything outside and of that. And do the rest hourly. Yeah, exactly. It's just transition. Transition into the transition, new thing. Transition, yeah. That's why we need to set a number for the five podcasts. And then, you know, I get those for the podcast and then that just takes that out. And so anything else that I don't do for the pod, like podcast packaging, I bill hourly. Yep. Well, and then while you're doing that, you look for more patterns and you say, okay, yeah. in this 20% or whatever it is, 30% of leftover stuff that we're doing by the hour, what's the, is there like something to package up here that I yeah. could, you know, cause then Mandy, then you're on the lookout for things where you're like, you know what, kind of wasting my time with this. I could probably outsource this to Costa Rica or whatever. And, the, or, or, or some, or Maria that I know, and she could do just as good a job, if not better than me. Uh-huh. And you know, so then come back to Chuck and be like, you know, this thing I've been doing for the for the uh, conferences, the online conferences. Let's come up with a let's come up with a number that works for both of us for us to do do this as a uh, a productized thing. And I'm going to optimize the crap out of it on my end and just get it done better and faster for less. Yeah, and the yeah. thing the thing that's really interesting there too, and I'm not trying to negotiate rates, but it could also be interesting if. You know, she finds a way to get it done for cheap enough to where she comes back to me and actually 
you know, that number is some number that's actually lower than what I was paying her to get it done. Uh huh. Yes, but I I can also see a, a scenario where the slush stuff that's left over that hourly rate starts going up. Yeah. Because it's going to be higher value stuff that's not easily repeatable. Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, that's a lot to think about. <laughs> I was going to say I think I think Mandy and I have some stuff to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, stay on. That's okay. <laughs> Shall we get to some picks? I'm going to partner with Mandy in pushing us to picks. <laughs> Jonathan, uh, what are your picks? <laughs> My first pick is a quote from a guy named Dan Zadra, and it is specifically for you, Mandy. And his quote is, worry is a misuse of imagination. So don't worry about that stuff. The other thing I'm going to pick is a quote uh, not a quote, but an article from Wait But Why called The Cook and the Chef. And it is the final interview of a four-part series that Tim Urban did with Elon Musk in which he outlines sort of what he sees. He, he kind of fe- feels like he's kind of figured out Elon Musk, who I think inarguably is just a, the most fast, one of the most fascinating people walking the planet Earth right now. Like, okay, maybe I have a little bit of a fan complex here, but... Um, Elon Musk is, is simultaneously doing three, maybe four, depending on how you measure it, four different businesses that nobody would think are possible. I mean, space travel for crying out loud. Mm-hmm. Tim Urban, who's an amazing writer, did a four part series on him. And in the final one, he kind of figures out what he thinks is going on with a guy like Elon Musk. And it boils down to something that I think is relevant to everyone, which is risk. And that the modern human being has a way, way, way oversensitivity to risk. It's at least in the, at least in the developed world where, you know, we're not getting chased by Tyrannosaurus Rexes anymore. And so this, the slightest thing that seems like it might be risky feels like we're being chased by a dinosaur. And really we should be taking way, way, way more risks. So I think it's a, it's a really, I'll tell you right now though, it's a super long article and you need to read the whole thing. And you will not regret it. It is an amazing article. Uh, so those those are my two picks. Very cool. I'm just going to outsource. Yeah, I'm just going to outsource it to you. Okay, Reuven, let's hear sure. from you. What are your picks? Oh, Chuck, I, Chuck, I thought you said you were going to outsource the reading of the article. <laughs> <laughs> that too. I'm just kidding. I'll find someone to read it for me cheaper. Uh, <laughs> so I'm one of the few people I know who does not use, let alone like Gmail. And normally this does not cause me too much trouble, except when it comes to calendar invites, because I do use Google Calendar, um, not directly so much, but via my Mac. And so people would send me invites, and it would be to my email address, and that was not syncing up with Google, because my Gmail address is a different email address. And for a long time, somehow, somehow it worked anyway, using the Apple Calendar, and somehow my calendar invites mostly, usually, kind of, somehow, got onto my Google Calendar. But about, I guess, about a month or two ago, it stopped working. And at first, I was sort of willing to dismiss this. But then I realized, this is kind of bad, that people are sending me all these invites, and I'm then (laughs) manually entering the calendar stuff into my calendar. So not only do they not see whether I'm going, but I don't get updates, anyway... So about two days ago, I finally decided enough is enough. It can't be. It can't be that there's no solution to this problem. And theoretically, if I'm such a computer expert, right, that's what I tell my clients at least, I should be able to figure this out somehow. So I found out, actually, uh, I needed to change calendar programs. And so I changed away from the built-in Mac calendar program called Calendar, strangely enough, and I got a copy of BusyCal, 
And yes, I paid $50 for BusyCal, and perhaps I'm a chump for paying $50 for something that comes free with a Mac, but it just works. It was amazing, and things synchronized. And it has all sorts of cute little features, too, like it will put the weather forecast uh, in the calendar, too. Is that a total game changer? No, but lots of uh, little things. So, And besides, it looks like it's a very, very small team of developers. I sent them in two bug reports slash feature requests. And within 12, 14 hours, I got a response saying, this first one is interesting. We'll put it on our list. Second one already exists. Here's how you do it. I was very, very impressed. So BusyCal uh, is definitely worth looking into for people with uh, weird calendar needs who don't fit, who don't use Gmail and who don't fit into the rubric of uh, other systems. Well, if buying BusyCal makes you a chump, then we're co-chumps because I use BusyCal every day. <laughs> I'm, I'm honored to be in your uh, chump. Co-chumpery. <laughs> Okay, are, are you done, Ruben? Yeah, that's it for this week. Uh, okay, Philip. I have been able to take some time off from client work this month, Yay! Um, which meant I it means I've had some time to work on some stuff that's been on my to do list for a while. So, two things for you that both of which I think are going to be interesting to people who uh, people freelancers, small consultancies who wish they had more leads coming in the door. One of those is, I'll kind of give you just a tiny bit of context. So if you go online and you're like, how do I get more leads? You'll find tons and tons of articles. That's awesome. But many of those articles provide context-less advice, which is often bad advice because it gets misapplied. So they're like, do this and you'll get leads. And they really don't provide any sort of you know metadata about does a lead generation technique help build trust with a client or is it the equivalent of, you know, paid advertising, which builds virtually no trust or spamming a, an email list? It's another way you could get leads, but it just doesn't do anything to build trust with those leads. And how quickly do these techniques work? So I took a bunch of data about that, wrapped it in some sort of metadata about trust building capability and how quickly these things work and put it together in a table that you can access and sort. And if you want, download the data source and customize it to fit your own situation. You'll find the whole thing over at a uh, URL I set up, trustvelocity.com. And it'll take you to a landing page that has the data. It's all right there. You can kind of sort through it and I think get some really interesting insight into what you could be doing to generate leads that might work better or faster than than nothing or, or whatever else you might be doing right now. So that's my first pick is trustvelocity.com. And then the second is also something that I've created with my um, few weeks off from client work. And this is for people who are in some sort of market position that's commodified. So folks who maybe are a WordPress developer would be a good example and are finding that more and more they're getting price pressure from clients and they're getting pushback and clients are shopping overseas or on places like Upwork and finding that there's not as much of a reason to hire the generic WordPress developer. I've created a workshop that is designed to sort of help kickstart you out of that commodified position into something that works better. And you can find that at commodityprisonbreak.com. So it's all one word, commodityprisonbreak.com. There's a description of what's in the workshop and the dates that it's being offered. And, and that's my second pick this, uh, this week. That's it. Very cool. Chuck, let's hear from you. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I've been kind of in the middle of a lot of different things lately, one of which has been that I am actually working on moving devchat.tv back to WordPress. 
So when I started podcasting, I was on WordPress. I uh, had some trouble getting it to do everything I wanted it to do, so I started doing custom Rails development. And then Derek Bailey ruined my life and showed me that I could do everything I wanted to with WordPress and that I could actually get it done a whole lot faster in WordPress than in Rails because I don't have to reinvent everything. I just have to rearrange some things. So uh, a few things that have really been helpful. One is called Desktop Server, and it basically sets up uh, XAMPP, that's X-A-M-P, setup on your machine for you and sets up WordPress for you. So you don't actually have to do it. It's Mac only, but it is awesome. And so when I want to uh, spin up my instance of my uh, WordPress development, you know, where I'm working on my custom theme and custom plugin, uh, I just do that and I just kind of fiddle with it in my spare time. But even doing that, I'm almost done <laughs> with having it ready to move all of the shows back over to it. The other couple of things that I've been using are Advanced Custom Fields, which is a plugin for WordPress. Uh, there's also, uh, I think it's wpgenerator.org.net. I'll have to find that the link put in the show notes. But it allows you to create custom post types that you can just drop into your plugin and just make it work. And so all of these things have made it really, really helpful. And then a lot of you know that I am an Emacs junkie and... I knew I liked you, Chuck. Oh. And I've been using Sublime Text to write my PHP because I didn't want to spend the time customizing Emacs to work with PHP. And for whatever reason, it wouldn't format it properly when I put all the stuff in. So, yeah, so I've been a little bit lazy. And, yeah, I'm not doing enough. I'm not putting in enough hours on it to actually make it worth going all the way over to Emacs. But anyway, so I'm going to pick Sublime Text 2 as well. I thought I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> Sublime 2? Is it Sublime Text 2? It's whatever the it's, latest It's version. 3 now. Oh, is it 3? Yes. Sublime Text whatever. No, I'm, I'm, using, I'm, I'm using Sublime Text 2. I'll find out what it is and put the right link in the show notes. <laughs> it is. It's Sublime Text 2. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess that leaves me. Surprise. I'm a planner. I like to plan things. Um, there's this website called plantoeat.com. It is the most amazing thing I've come across in so long. I signed up for 30 days free, and it was completely free. No credit card required anything. And quickly after 30 days, I realized that I could not live without it. And then it's I paid for outright $39 a year. But what it is is you install a Chrome extension. extension. And um, if you see a recipe while you're online just going about your day on Facebook or anywhere else, if you see the recipe, you press this button and it'll automatically import it in all the ingredients, all the directions, a picture, the title into it. And then you just drag it over after you get enough of them. You got your Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, all the dinners are laid out. And then, and then even better, you can have your dinner menu and be like, okay, I'm going to go grocery shopping. So then you have it create a grocery list for you. And then you just check off all the stuff that you already have in your kitchen and leave on the list the stuff that you don't have that you need to get at the store. It's a game changer. These people are amazing. And the UI is just, it's so beautiful. It's so clean. I love it. I'm slightly obsessed with it. So I use that every day. And then you have, you can also click on the recipe after it's in there and it'll bring it up on this beautiful screen and it'll tell you and you can just sit your computer or iPad or phone there and it'll just display it on the screen and it's beautiful. Do they have any provisions for the Neanderthals among us who actually have 
tech, like cook books as actual physical books. Yeah, uh, you burn them. <laughs> <laughs> it's made out of what? What's that stuff called? Um, the the dead tree stuff. Yeah, I I I've been and I'm on a quest to downsize all my belongings. So like, I don't want any physical books unless they're like I need to have this book because I need to mark it up and read it 60 times. So I don't want books. I don't want DVDs. I don't want recipes. I just want everything on my computer where I can just log in and access it. So I'm on my ever quest to just digitalize my life. It sounds like this is something that you could use to also downsize yourself. Yeah. Something that I'm working on. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely check out Plan to Eat. It's really great. I just used it. I'm going to be using it in about 10 minutes. And then I'll, I'll say one more pick I have is I just recently bought a truck and I found out that I like country music because I have this truck now. So <laughs> I, I think that came with Correlation the truck. is not causation. Yeah. So, and then my, my stepbrother got on me because I don't have a ca- any cowboy boots. So we went out the other weekend or other night just on a random trip. There might have been one or five beers involved and we just went and got me a pair of cowboy boots and uh, they are Laredo's and they were are very very well made they're already broken in after not even a week I'm wearing them right now they are beautiful they are great sturdy quality and definitely if you're looking for a boot that won't break the bank but is beautiful Laredo's check them out nice and what kind of truck is it it's a Ford right no, it's a Silverado. <laughs> I'm a Chevy girl. Uh, I know which buttons to push. We, we've known each other way too long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm a Chevy girl. So I just got I got a Silverado. I've wanted one for 11 years and I finally made it happen. So, yay. I think I might have been in a truck once. <laughs> you, you, know, you know that a Chevy is a foreign car now, right? <laughs> They're all foreign. They're all foreign to us in Israel. Whatever. All right. Well, thank you for letting me be a part of episode 200 of the Freelancer Show. And with that, we will catch everyone on next week. Adios. (laughs) Well done. Hosting and bandwidth provided by the Blue Box Group. Check them out at bluebox.net. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more.